You ever have a bad boss? I remember the worst boss I've ever had. It was a job that I had for a very short period of time. He was so bad. We worked for a company that was making elevator panels. You might ask, what are elevator panels? I got this. Hold on. It's panels that go in elevators. (laughs) To this day, I cannot walk in an elevator and not think of the worst job I ever had. And the worst job I ever had because it was the worst boss I ever had. He was crude. He was foul. He was always criticizing. He had a terrible temper. He was the worst. I consider myself a fairly patient guy with most people. But I didn't last very long at that job because uh, about a week into it, I was looking for a different job. You ever have a really bad boss? Uh, You ever have um, someone that just completely, because of their authority over you, changed every aspect of your life, not just what you did maybe for a living, but your attitude and your your, uh, disposition? Well, if you can, um, we're going to talk a little bit about bosses today. Although that's not the, use, the word that the Bible uses, we are going to be talking about the idea of someone in charge. Uh, for better or worse, everyone has to obey someone. Now, some people don't like having people in charge of them, so they say, "I'm going I'm to go work for some. I'm going to go work for myself." You know, so they'll spend 80 hours a week for themselves to avoid working 40 hours a week for somebody else. They don't like the idea of someone being in charge. Um, maybe you've had, ever have a bad teacher. I mean, this teacher just phoning it in. They were just waiting to, to get tenure. Uh, they didn't care really about if you, if you grew in knowledge, if you grew in understanding. They were just there to, to check off uh, the year until they earned uh, the retirement. Have you ever been, maybe kids understand this, you ever have... Your parents leave for an evening, and they put one of the siblings in charge. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're the oldest child, I remember. Mother, father, leave, please. Have a wonderful evening. Leave me in charge? Oh, sure. I want you to know that everything in this household is well within my realm of expertise. Worry not. Fear not. Know that as I am in charge... All will be well. They would leave, close the door, and the instant I turned around to my younger brother and said, I'm going to sit here in this chair, you keep a steady supply of Oreos coming. That's your job. We understand. It's not just that we've worked for people who who abuse their authority, but maybe we ourselves have abused our authority. We understand that. The Bible word for someone in authority, for someone in charge, the boss, the head honcho, the big cheese, whatever you want to call it, is Lord. And, and we typically only use the word Lord in a religious context. But we need to understand that, to some degree or another, everyone has a Lord. Someone in charge, someone in authority, someone that you work for. Uh, on the human level, uh, you might... You know, the terms, terms like sir or master, uh, there are different lords that we serve. The Greek word is kurios. 
Can you say that with me? Curious. You can remember that because sometimes your boss do, will do things that are curious. But on a, more than a human level, we move to the, the idea of deity. And God says that he is Lord, Jehovah. And he is the ultimate in power or authority. The ultimate of all authorities. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Jesus talked about this idea of lordship from a non-religious view. He said in Matthew chapter 20, if you don't know where that is, page 1059, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So even Jesus understood. We all understand that we all have different lords in our lives. People that we serve, people that we have to make happy, people that we have to please, people with the power and authority, and ultimately people who their will exceeds your will. You can be respectful, you can be disagree, but at the end of the day, what matters is who's in charge, what they want. Continuing to think about this from a human level. Um, in the Bible, we have stories like Hagar. Hagar was put in a per- terrible position because of the will of her uh, mis- uh, uh, Sarah, who was her master. Hagar was put in a real bad position, and it had to do with the fact that Sarah said, this is my plan. I want something different than what God has planned. Joseph uh, had to learn to please and be pleasing to Potiphar. And yet he got in trouble with Potiphar's wife, didn't he? Not because he did anything wrong, but because he was falsely accused. And then she brought that false accusation to Potiphar, and Potiphar said, "Ah, you can't do this. (laughs) We understand that. The Bible speaks of several different places where someone serves someone else. All of the Old Testament history, uh, much of it is the story of the nation of Israel In servitude, in servitude to the Egyptians, in servitude to the Assyrians, and in servitude to the Babylonians, what they willed exceeded the will of what the Israelites may have wanted. And even in some cases, the will of what God wanted. In in more modern examples, uh, children have parents. And this is interesting because parents are put in charge of their children. Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The hard thing about that is, I'll tell you a little secret, no parent does it perfectly. But they're the ones that God puts in charge, and their will exceeds your will. I tell my own children, you drew the short stick. I mean, it, it's, you've got some parents that are going to have some pretty high standards for you and some pretty tough restrictions. That's our, that's our call to make. And someday when you get married, you'll have your own children and you'll get to make those calls and someone smaller than you argue with you about them. We understand that all of us have a Lord. We talked about some of all of us have a boss, someone that we work for. We have someone that we, uh, we, we strive to please. We, whatever he or she says is the time to be there, that's what time we're there. Uh, 
Whatever they say the projects are our main focus, that's our main focus. Uh, wherever they want us to, to go, we go. So we understand that in the work sense as well. Uh, you have a teacher, you have assignments, homework, projects, things that you have to do, and it doesn't matter if you don't like the way they teach, they're your teacher. They're the ones given the authority to give you the grade or not. Uh, even in our uh, political sense, we have lords, we have governors and presidents and congressmen and senators, people who are in authority over us, okay? And we may, may or may not like what decisions they make, but that's their authority. The Bible calls us to pray for those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet, godly lives, okay? So we understand that. You're going to be home by 11 p.m. You're going to go to the conference room meeting. You're going to turn in the project by Friday. You're going to pay your taxes in April, all because your lords say so. So we all have those lords to one degree or another. But there is another lord, and he is the lord. And we all have a lord, but Jesus is the lord. And it's really important that we understand that. In Ephesians chapter 4, which has been our key text for this series on one, Paul is continuing and he has, we've talked about this idea of being one and maintaining unity and uh, he says you got to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope, we talked about that last week, that belongs to your call. And then he says in verse 5, one Lord and one faith. The scriptures make it clear that God is the Lord, not a Lord. In fact, the very first of the Ten Commandments, if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, very first of those Ten Commandments that are so well known is this, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, that was in the sense of worshiping false gods and worshiping idols. But God wanted them to know above all things that he was the ultimate authority. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, this, this idea is continued to relay throughout the Old Testament law. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 10, uh, verse 17, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. God is not just the Lord, he's the perfect Lord. He's mighty in strength and power. Uh, he is beyond any idea of lordship that we understand. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5 Wrote, wrote these words. He, he says, Isaiah 45, verse 5, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. It's important that we understand uh, that God will not share his lordship. He is exclusive in it. He wants it alone. And he is, from the Old Testament to the New, absolutely clear on who is Lord and who is ultimately in charge. 
in the, in the new covenant under Christ. Peter preached the sermon after Jesus had been resurrected. We know that sermon. It's in Acts chapter 2. Now, we probably know very well Acts 2.38. But I want you to get, I want you to understand this crescendo that Peter's leading up to. And it's this. It's verse 36. I mean, he's going through all of the scriptures prophesying Christ and telling about Christ. Look what he says in verse 36 of Acts chapter 2. He crescendos to this key point. Let all the house of Israel know, of Israel therefore know, for certain, that God has made him both Lord and Christ. There was some debate in the day about if Jesus was both Lord and Christ. And Peter's saying, you got to know. He is both Lord and Christ, and it was Jesus whom you crucified. You took the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Almighty, the everlasting God in the flesh, and you crucified Him. You read the Scriptures, the Scriptures that pointed to Him, and you crucified Him. You you prayed prayers to Him, and you crucified Him. You would go to the temple and worship Him, and you crucified Him. Do you understand what Peter's saying This Jesus is both Lord and Christ. We all have lords, but there's only one eternal, almighty, everlasting Lord. No human being, no angel, no created thing, no idol, not even you, can handle being Lord. Not in the way that God's Lord. Jesus is that one Lord exclusively, and we are called to faith in him. I have a card that I have on my, on my desk. It's a verse from Deuteronomy 4.35. It's, a, it's important to me because uh, it's good as a person who has control issues to be reminded of Deuteronomy 4.35. You want to know what, probably what... Deuteronomy 4.35 says, well, you can look it up or I can read it to you or we can do both. Deuteronomy 4.35 says this, the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. And so when you are tempted to worry, when you're tempted to try to take control, when you're tempted and you think you know better than God knows, I want you to remember Deuteronomy 4.35, the Lord is God. And besides him, there is no other. So then this Lord that was crucified 2,000 years ago is not just Lord. He's Lord of Lords. And we're called to have faith in that one Lord. Now listen, all other human lords can and will change. If you don't like your political leaders, you can change them. In this country, you can change those out every couple of years. Okay? If you don't like him, if you're unhappy, you can change who leads you. You're going to have different teachers pass this year at school. Uh, after you graduate the class, you're going to have a different teacher. If you don't like your boss at your job, you can change jobs, like I did with uh, making elevator panels. I changed jobs. I found a new and better boss. Okay, That's what you should do. In our country, in a free market, no one should ever complain about their job. And certainly about your boss. Because if you don't like it, you can go change. You are a free agent. You can change your boss. 
You can change your teachers. You can change your elected officials. Uh, someday, someday, you're not going to live under your parents' roof, which means you won't live under their rules. And I can I tell you, I know you guys are excited about that, but no one is more excited about that than your parents. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. As you turn there, I want you to remember that as you change lords throughout your life, whether it's your elected officials, your teachers, your bosses, uh, whoever, whatever kind of leaders you change in your life, I want you to remember that no matter what leaders you serve, there will always, only, and forevermore be one eternal Lord. You can't change him. He is almighty and all-powerful, and, and he, will, he was here long at, before you and will be here long after you. And the scripture calls us to this. You know the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Not a Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make, your, make straight your paths. The Bible calls us for wholehearted, all-in trust in the Lord. Lots of people put trust in a Lord. We, we, we put our trust in the elected leaders. We put our trust in the teachers. We put our trust in the bosses. And, and all of those people are fallible because they are human. But the Lord is infallible. He is perfect. He is right. His word is always and forevermore true. And you can put your trust in him wholeheartedly. And the Bible calls that all-in, wholehearted type of trust faith. Faith is what led Noah to build an ark long before it rained. Faith is what called Abraham to leave his home country and his home family and his home and his fa- everyone he knew and go to a place he didn't know because God said so. Faith is what caused Peter to step out of the boat. Faith, in fact, Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Okay, well, how do we do that? How do we have faith in this kind of Lord? Well, it starts first in God's word. That's a really good way, if you find yourself lacking in faith, is to read and understand God's Word. In fact, we have a Bible reading plan. I hope you're still tracking along with that. But if you don't, pick up one on your way out today. That's such a good thing because we are reminded again and again and again of how important it is to trust God. Romans chapter 10. If you're following along, I hope that you are. Romans chapter 10. Verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. When you read it, when you listen to it, uh, it's it's helping to instill within you faith and trust in Almighty God. The second way to increase your faith is to live it out every single day. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 7, those of you who are keeping up, congratulations, I'm proud of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul is writing about our heavenly dwelling, and he says, so we are always of good courage, verse 6, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. 
So we're called to not just say we have faith, but to live it out. James will say very clearly in James chapter 2, really throughout his whole book, that faith without works is dead. It's got to be lived. It's nothing to say you believe in God. Even the devil can say this morning, I believe in God. He just doesn't yield to God as Lord. All right, are, are you any different? Do you, do you just say you believe in God or do you live that out? Do his words take hold in your heart and in your life? So the point is this, one final question for you, and Jesus asked the question. It's found in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? You see, we are called to trust in one Lord, but but trust in one Lord means we've got to have faith. We've got to listen to his instructions, and more importantly than that, we've got to put his instructions into practice. So as we end this morning and as we conclude, I'll ask you this question. Do you call Jesus Lord? If I ask you, went up to you face-to-face, in person right now, and said, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? This past Wednesday, I did that with Dale Goodner. Uh, He made the decision to to put on Christ and baptism, and, and I asked him, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? And he said, with all my heart. Well, I know that he does. And so then we followed up by, by being obedient to what Jesus had to do, to be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just enough to say these, Lord. You have to do what the Lord wants you to do. That's what we call faith. So my second question is this. Does your faith make any sort of difference? Does your ma- faith make any sort of impact? If they put you on trial for being a Christian... Would they have any enough evidence to convict? We've got to live it out. All right, that's the lesson. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, but you haven't done what he said to do, I'll encourage you to do that. Do not wait one more minute. Go ahead, during this next song, head to the back, and you can talk to the elders, and they'll be glad to help you with putting on Christ and baptism and taking the next step in your Christian journey. Or if you're a Christian, and you just haven't been playing living out your faith, just haven't been showing it and you haven't been living it. If you'd like our shepherds to pray with you or if we can help you in a public way, we'd be glad to do so. Whatever your need might be, uh, won't you head to the back right now as we stand and sing this song?